Hello and welcome to another episode of the County Cricket Podcast in association with our friends at Bear Crickets. I'm your host, Aaron, aka the Cricket Connoisseur, and joining me first and foremost for our 2023 Division 2 season review show is none other than everyone's favourite up-and-coming cricket journalist, Mr. Kieran McCarthy. So Kieran, first things first, mate, always great to have you here on the County Cricket Podcast for a chat about the greatest sporting competition on the planet. I've got to ask, mate, how's your day been so far? Uh, I certainly can't complain. How has your day been? It's been very good, mate. Very good. I, I sense a slight lack of energy, though, Kieran. Have you had <laughs> quite a long day? Uh, you know what? No, I haven't. So I don't know where, where my lack of energy is coming from. I promise that there will be energy. I'm happy. I'm happy to be the designated energy provider for today's episode. Just for the listeners out there as well, we are actually recording this on the evening. That might be why usually record we record this in the day. So that might explain the, the lack of energy after a long day. But we'll be here to take you through all of the action and all of the major talking points from Division 2 this season. And thankfully, it's not just myself and Kieran on today's episode of the County Cricket Podcast. In fact, making his TCCP debut is none other than freelance sports journalist and Durham's digital media assistant, Mr. Rob Rush. So Rob, first things first, mate, absolutely wonderful to get you on for an episode of the County Cricket Podcast. I've got to ask you the exact same question, mate. How's your day been so far? Oh, it's been really good. Thank you for guys for having me. I'm uh, excited to be here. And um, yeah, it's been really good. Can't complain. Um, been looking forward to this all day. I've had it. I've had it on my calendar. I've had it. Had it flipping highlighted. Seven o'clock podcast recording session. Can't wait. So yeah, excited to get into it. Excellent. And to be honest, Rob, it has been a long time coming. So an absolute pleasure to get you on as well, mate. Definitely reciprocating those feelings. And yeah, the feeling is definitely mutual as well, mate. It's fantastic to get you on for our Division Two review show. And in terms of the show itself, just for those who aren't aware how our review shows work at the end of the season, essentially we'll be going through the eight Division Two teams in alphabetical order purely because it's the easiest way of going about things and just giving each team a grade and giving our thoughts on where things went well and where things went wrong for each of these eight count seasons with all things considered then, I say that we get straight in to today's review show and we should start in the East Midlands. Let's go to Derbyshire because it was a very interesting campaign, wasn't it, for the East Midlands side in 2023. They finished sixth in Division 2 of the LV County Championship, eighth in Group B of the Metro Bank One Day Cup and fifth in the North Group in the T20 Blast. So, Kieran, I'll start with you first and foremost, mates. If you were to grade Derbyshire's performances across formats this season, how would you go about doing so? Because it was quite a rough season, wasn't it, for the East Midlands County? Uh, yeah, I don't think you can put them anywhere above sort of a D, which in itself might be a little bit generous because, yeah, they, they were particularly poor um, in, in Red Bull. Um T20s that they were sort of okay. Um, obviously, I think the the squad's a little bit more. Um, it, it's more proficient in in white ball cricket. Um, I would say. Um, you know, the bowling attack specifically in the T20s was probably one of the, the better assets. Um, but I don't think there was enough consistency for them um, across any format. Um, I think they were sort of relying on the likes of um, Lewis Deploy, um, Lewis Reese, Brooke Guest a little bit, 
Um, and, and I don't think there was really enough from, you know, enough other people for them to have a, a particularly successful season. Um, so I think I would probably put them about a D, um, certainly no higher than that. And Rob, how would you go about rating Derbyshire's performances this season? Because Kieran, to be honest, I think has pretty much nailed that on the head. I really do think so. It was a very disappointing campaign for the East Midlands outfit. So if you were to give them a rating or a grade, what would you give them off the back of their performances across formats this year? I think I would be slightly more lenient. I'd go C- minus because I don't like to give out particularly harsh. I would, I like to be on the positive side of things, look on the glass half empty, no, glass half full side of things, not glass half empty, uh, the positive side. Um, but yeah, look, like looking at it, they didn't win a single county championship game and that is quite staggering. You know, you know, they're the only other, the, the only other side to do that were Gloucestershire who didn't win a single Red Bull game in Div 2 this year and that is very worrying. You know, 10 draws, I guess some of those have been weather inflicted as well. But yeah, I think the white ball stuff, you know, the Metro Bank one day cup campaign was kind of just a bit of a, you know, it just didn't, nothing, they didn't get off the ground in August. Um, and then T20s, T20s is a bit of a hit and miss format. Anyone could beat anyone on the night. It just kind of depends who rocks up and who doesn't. Um, so not too worried about that. You know, I think Wayne Madston, I think, is the only other guy that kind of Derbyshire had been really relying upon. And he's now starting to get international recognition with Italy. So whether he's now going to be starting missing more games, I think that that's going to be the worst case scenario for Derbyshire if he goes away and starts missing games semi-regularly. Um, yeah, I think a C minus, you know, it's still racked up 113 points, which is a lot in itself. But when you put it at a sixth in Div 2, it kind of is definitely one to look into. Um, I think they're doing some recruitment ahead of next year. My God, it's wrong, but Pat Brown is joining them, I believe from mm-hmm. Worcestershire so hopefully if he can stay fit um he's a very good bowler um someone who's been touted for England honours in more white ball than red ball but someone who's definitely got the quality to make that next step if he can stay fit so I think he's going to be huge for them next year if he can get on the pitch and yeah they just kind of need to you know they just need to keep looking at other ways of improving the squad because as kind of Kieran alluded to there have been three or four players they kind of just relied upon and no one else really stepped up. They need more from the supporting cast. They certainly do. And one of those players in particular this season in the county championship was Leia Stepoy, who's leaving to go to Middlesex on a long-term contract. So I suppose that's my next question actually for today's show, Kieran. Can they replace Leia Stepoy? Because Rob alluded to the, the transfer of Pat Brown. He has signed for Derbyshire. For next season, they brought in Samit Patel from Knotts, and Aaron Donald has come in from Hampshire, David Lloyd coming in from Glamorgan, and then, of course, the big signing is Mohamed Amir for the first half of the season in the seam department. But losing Leas Deploy, who was their leading county championship run scorer, their third leading run scorer in the T20 Blast, an integral pillar in that Derbyshire batting lineup, can he be replaced heading into 2024? It's difficult because Derbyshire were already one of the lower sides in terms of batting bonus points in Div 2. I think um, only one side had less than them, and I think they were tied with somebody else. Um, so you take away a 1,000 runs um, in the championship. It's certainly very hard to replicate that impact. Um, you know, I, I mentioned Lewis Rees obviously had a very good season. Um, Harry Kane coming through... Um, you know, he's obviously started to, to put together a few more good performances. Um, but 
I mean, it's very difficult to to replicate a thousand runs um, in red ball cricket, and, and white ball deploys obviously a very good batter as well. So um, I think the players coming in are, are certainly going to find it difficult to replicate that impact with the bat. Um, but then if, if they are getting a little bit strong with the ball, then at least, you know, once one um, one facet of the side's getting a little bit stronger, so they might not feel that quite as much. Um, but I think they would rather losing a very good batter. You would obviously rather replace that with another very good batter, which they uh, aren't doing at the moment. Well, you never know, of course. There is still a long way to go in the off-season and Mickey Arthur does have this aura about him. He does have an incredible pulling power. So whether or not we'll see that over the course of this winter and they do bring in a big overseas signing to plug the gap remains to be seen. But aside from the departure of Leicester Deploy, George Swimshaw also leaving the club. He's going to North Ants. Mark Watts, Saranga Lakmau, Tom Wood, Archie Harrison and Billy Goldman have all been released ahead of the 2024 season. And then leg spinner Matty McKiernan has also retired. So a lot of changes taking place at the Encora heading into 2024. But aside from where they've struggled, Rob, where would you say Derbyshire did actually perform well in 2023? Because they didn't have the, the worst season by any means. And in particular in the T20 Blast, I think the signing of Zaman Khan and Haider Ali were actually very good for the East Midlands County. And they were very close, actually, to progressing in that format. So... On the flip side of the perhaps negative aspect of this season, where do you think Derbyshire did actually play quite well in the summer of 2023? I think, as you say, the T20s is the biggest kind of positive they can really take. You know, I think I remember when they came up to the Riverside to play Durham and I think it was a pretty close game and you could tell they had the makings of the squad there. It's just something wasn't quite clicking. Um, Same when they came up to play us in the county championship. Just something that they've been missing, like those one or two clicks. I think um, Mark Watt they tried to make a bit of a red ball player, and it didn't kind of it. It didn't really work out. But his, you know, his white ball prowess is still something that is, you know, is something they will miss next year with him going. Um, but yeah, I think the T twenties, you know, Hyder Ali and Zaman Khan, I think were the two uh, two standouts for them. I think kind of they have to kind of build on that, really. I mean, I know it might not be the traditional way for success to build off your T20s and go from there, but I think when you've had the success that Derbyshire have had, or the relative the relative success, we should say, because that's been their most, you know, it's been their best performing aspect this year, that's kind of where they have to keep building on. And Mickey Arthur, of course, is well known for, you mentioned his pull, the short shorts, you know, that, that's, that's what does it for everyone, I'm sure it is. Um, but he also does seem to expert in the white ball game. And, uh, you know, as we've seen with some other counties up and down the country, not only in Div 2, but in Div 1, teams are taking a more progressive stance to playing red ball cricket. So I don't think it would be the worst thing for Derbyshire to maybe do the same, because as Kieran mentioned, in Div 2, they were tied with Leicestershire for the least amount of batting bonus points. The only team below them was Gloucestershire with 23 and Gloucestershire's batting lineup, as we'll get on to was pretty much non-existent this year. Um, so, yeah, look, I think the T20, they kind of have to look at that. I think Mickey Arthur will definitely be emphasizing that to the board in terms of can they get Haider Ali back? Can they get Zaman Khan back for T20s? If not, they need to be looking at certain similar caliber of players. And then from there, I think they need to start, they need to look at changing their approach to red ball cricket because if, you do, if you're not moving forward, if you're not, if you're not progressing, 
other teams are going to overtake you. And, you know, they're, they finished sixth. They've only got two teams below them. But, you know, we all know Yorkshire have got a strong squad and a strong academy. Gloucestershire, I think, will go, are going to have a bounce back year next year. So, yeah, I think the T20 is just the positives and then they need to they need to use that to kind of bounce off it and use that to, um, you know, improve their Red Bull form. I think that's a very interesting point, to be honest, Rob, because you look at the incomings with the likes of Samit Patel, a former T20 Blast winner, obviously Mohamed Amir, who's done it in T20 leagues all over the world, and Anirin Donald, who's been very good in white ball cricket for Hampshire and Glamorgan in the past. I do think that is where they will try and build off in 2024. So I think that's a very valid point. But yeah, 2023, a very, very mixed year for the East Midlands County of Derbyshire. Fingers crossed for the Derbyshire fans out there that 2024 can be a little bit more prosperous for the East Midlands outfits across all three formats. But talking of a side which has an unforgettable summer in 2023, let's head up to the northeast and let's go to Durham. And to be honest, we couldn't have chose a better person to have on our show tonight. We've got an insider in terms of, of Durham's success. But Rob, before I get to you and discuss the rating and where things went so brilliantly well for Durham in 2023, just looking at their performances across formats, first in Division 2, which is absolutely massive for this club. That is the promised land, isn't it? Division 1, after that unfortunate relegation in 2016, they've been trying desperately to get back into the first division. And this summer has brought exactly that. So a massive result for Durham in that regard. Then in the Metro Bank One Day Cup, they finished fifth in Group B. And finally, in the T20 Blast, Durham finished seventh in the North Group. So, Rob, take it away. First and foremost, I think we know what the rating might be for Durham, <laughs> given how well they did in the county championship. <laughs> but why do you think Durham were so clinical, so ruthless and so effective in the county championship over the course of this summer? Uh, well, the grade is a is an A+. Plus. I think it, it, it can't be anything less than that, really. Um, I remember going to media day and speaking to Ryan Campbell and I hadn't come across him before. I didn't know, I didn't have any real insights. The only insight I got was from our head of media basically saying that he's a really positive figure and he wants to play attacking cricket. And I was like, okay, this could be something here. I then spoke to him for like 20 minutes and I just walked away from it with like a sense of something's happening here. Something different is going to happen this year. Um, look, I give Ryan Campbell's got an awful lot of credit uh, to be given to him. Like you, we've seen it. Um, no one else came close in terms of batting bonus points, racking up 450s, 500 plus scores. Durham absolutely blew everyone away. Uh, special mention as well to Jimmy Hilditch, who's the batting coach that was brought in at the start of the year. I, to be honest, I said this as well in kind of our end of season bit. You compare the two Red Bull sides of this year, just gone, and 2022. There are maybe two, three changes to that Durham squad. They added Ollie Robinson from Kent. Graham Clark was brought back in. And then you had a different spinner. And the fortunes are so different. And that all comes down to... Uh, Campbell giving the players the freedom to express themselves. They're going to play, you know, I can't say exactly what he said about draws because uh, it's not, it's not friendly. It's not, it's not family friendly, but um, he, he doesn't play for draws. He plays for wins and he wants to win every game and the players want to win every game. That's kind of bled down. And yeah, just they're taking away that fear of failure. It's kind of, you know, if they, if, if uh, say Scott Borthwick gets out for a five ball duck, He's not getting dropped next game. 
he, he's the captain and he's a, he, you know he's backed you know i think that's the main difference is campbell's given these players their backing whereas under the previous um head coach there was that disconnect there that kind of players were worried for their place they were fighting for it in a sense um so yeah i think the red bull side of things is revolutionized really and it's also the thing that i'm most excited about going into next year for them is that many div one sides scored at two and a half three and over this year you aren't gonna be able to do that against durham like and the thing is we're gonna they're gonna come up against better bowling attacks they'll still rack up 350 370 in a day and i'm very interested to see how the div one sides react to that of jesus christ they've already got so many runs on the board here it's like yep and we're going to be bold with declarations we're going to come after you we're not going to take a step down from anybody so yeah the red bull side of things was absolutely incredible you know they lost to sussex due to a batting collapse on the first round since then no one really came close uh to beating them they only did i think there were four draws and two of them were weather inflicted so there's not really a lot you can do there the white ball side um slightly disappointing uh for what ryan campbell has been known for you know obviously ex-head coach of the netherlands um he's played a big part in their you know rise up so slightly disappointing um but still there's the blueprint for how they want to play uh the blast i think the north group was very tightly contested this year so finishing seventh is no is not a real kind of it's not like they had a disappointing year in the blast it's like no that north group they were still in contention until like the last two rounds of the, of the t20s so it's very close um you know they're obviously helped out by a certain signing that was announced this morning uh which we'll probably get on to shortly um and yeah the one day cup uh they had some they showed some good uh performances just didn't quite have it together enough all the time but yeah i think overall the the overall word i'd use is vindication they are back in division one where they belong where the where club of durham size belong and they've now got the squad the coach the mentality to stay there for a long time again they certainly have rob that is exactly why you're on tonight's episode of the county cricket podcast could not have articulated that much better myself to be honest and i go back to an article on crick info where ryan campbell did an interview i think back in april or may it was and he said he wants durham to be the best side in the country not just in the region in the entire country and he has just revolutionized the the mentality and the approach of this team it's incredibly refreshing to see as a neutral and let's talk about those signings and actually Kieran I want your thoughts on those signings because Durham in recent seasons have recruited very well Rob you mentioned the additions of Ollie Robinson they brought in Baz Delader as well and then in the overseas department the likes of Matt Kuhneman the likes of Ajaz Patel as well absolutely fantastic and obviously in recent seasons David Beddingham has been nothing short of a revelation in that Durham batting lineup but in terms of the three incoming players for 2024, Callum Parkinson and Colin Ackerman from Leicestershire, who in white ball cricket, again, have the ability to single-handedly change the narrative of a game in either 50 over or T20 over cricket. And then, of course, the big one, which was announced today, is Australian Tessima Scott Boland. So, Kieran, on paper, they look rather good, don't they, to challenge yet again in 2024 uh, yeah they do um i said on the last a review show of the season that I, I thought they would be challenging up at the top of division one anyway um that was before the signing of scott boland who's got 340 odd first class wickets um I actually looked terrible in the ashes but i you know 
compared to you know facing um, the English batters. Um, compare that to um, county cricket compared to playing against England, and I'm sure he will rip people to pieces. Um, and I, I think it's it's helpful because I assume Matthew Potts might not be around all too much um, over the summer with the fact that Stuart Broad's retired. He's probably going to have more of a role in the test setup. Um, so that's a phenomenal sign-in. Um, Callum Parkinson's obviously, you know, come in for the for the reason that um, Ryan Campbell wants a very good spinner in his side. He sort of identified the, the need for a, a test quality spinner at the start of last season. Um, obviously had Matt Kuhneman for a while, then Ajaz Patel, then Matt Parkinson. Um, I'm sure Matt Parkinson probably put in a good word for his brother, but he's obviously a, a very good county spinner. Um, and then, yeah, Colin Ackerman as well. Um, an international cricketer, good on both, both with the bat and ball. Um, and, and it's only going to make the side stronger um, from, you know, the additions that, that have come over the past um, season or two. Everyone seems to have contributed and, and made the side stronger. And I, I can't see that um, being any different for the for the new guys that have come in. So I certainly expect Durham to be top half, top four, I would say, of, um, of Devon at least. To be honest, Kieran, I would agree, but it goes back to a very, very old saying, and it's heavy weigh the shoulders of he who wears the crown, and that will be the, the weight of expectation bearing down on the shoulders of Durham heading into next season, because let's face it, cricket isn't played on paper, but on paper, this is a side which could potentially do an Essex right back in 2017, when they came straight back up and won the entire thing. Obviously, sorry are tremendously strong, but <laughs> I love the way in which Durham play their cricket. So only time will tell. There's still a long time to go over the winter, and obviously things could happen in 2024, for better or for worse. But yeah, I think it goes without saying, a wonderful and unforgettable summer for Durham County Cricket Club. And the important thing is that the Northeastern County are back where they belong in Division 1 of the LV County Championship. But aside from our conversation then about Durham, let's head from the northeast and let's travel to South Wales and let's talk about Glamorgan, a side which, before the season started, I had touted as basically an automatic promotion contender. And unfortunately, that isn't how things proceeded to, to play out in 2023. The Welsh outfit finished fifth in Division 2 of the County Championship, fourth in Group B of the Metro Bank One Day Cup, and they finished in eighth place in a very competitive South group in the T20 Blast. So, Kieran, we've spoken about this on the podcast many times before in terms of Glamorgan's potentially slightly weaker bowling attack in comparison to the batting. You've also mentioned in the past about the surface at Sapphire Gardens being too placid and too tame for red ball cricket, but if we are to pick apart and analyse where things went wrong for Glamorgan over the course of this last summer, where do you think the real areas of weakness are in this side heading into the future? Um, I, I think that the the change of a head coach is probably a good thing because I think there was a lack of a desire to win this season, um, which sort of go, goes with the point that, yeah, the surface probably wasn't all too conducive for winning games of cricket. Um, but they drew 12 games, won one, lost one, um, which looks a little bit silly um, and sort of yeah, suggests that they didn't really want to win games. Um, and, you know, certainly when they were playing at home, it was quite difficult to either win games or lose games. 
um, because the surface was a bit dead um, for a good portion of the season. Um, I think with the bat, they they were quite good with the ball. That they were quite good as well. Um, you know, I think there's, there's very good players on, on both sides. Um, obviously, the, you know the the overseas that they've got um, help on, on both sides. Um, both of them do do a bit of both actually. Um, the, the Australians, Labuschagne and, and Nisa, um, and then obviously Colin Ingram had a decent end to the season. Um, so I, I would say just that the, the lack of desire really um, sort of did against them. I mean, you look at um, the season prior, they were not too far away from getting promoted with Knots um, and managed to win six games that season compared to winning one game last season. Um, something you know, needs to change to, to next season for them to, to be able to get back into a position where they could potentially be fighting for um, promotion. And I think that the change of personnel at the top is, you know, a good way for that to happen. It's interesting you say that, Kieran, because from what I've heard from the Glamorgan camp and obviously people involved in, in the club and supporters of the club is that they wanted Matt Maynard to stay. So I, I do wonder actually if, if I don't know, if he was or wasn't the root cause of that. I'm not sure he was, to be honest. I think that's slightly harsh on Matt Maynard. But, Rob, where do you stand on Glamorgan this season? Because I mentioned it beforehand, on paper, they should have been promotion contenders, at the very least, with the likes of Marnus Labuschagne, Michael Nisa, Kieran Carlson, David Lloyd in the lineup. Right, They've got a fantastic starting eleven in Red Bull cricket, and yet they still haven't reached Division 1 since 2005. So, in terms of where Glamorgan went wrong this season, what were the areas of, of weakness in your view? How did you see the Welsh outfit over the course of this summer? I think I'd agree with Kieran to a, a point of the lack of desire to win, or at least that's what it got portrayed as. You know, you win one Red Bull game. You, yes, we, as you mentioned, the South Group was also very competitive this year, but you come second from bottom or bottom of that group as well. It's just, you have a statement, obviously this year was going to be difficult for them because they weren't going to have Marnus for the entire season because the Ashes were going to roll around and then Nisa got into really good form. So then Australia had him as a very logical backup, him already playing all of his cricket over here anyway. It just made sense to plop him in the squad. So that those two losing those two obviously don't help. They're two walk-ins to that 11 that Glamorgan have. But I'm not I'm not sure if it was the pitch, if it was the coaching, if the captaincy. Like I there were there were opportunities for this team to win games and they didn't take them. And ultimately, I mean, sometimes they even went from looking as if how can they lose this game to being on the verge of losing the games. And some sometimes you have to point that down to that's just very good bowling from the opposition and you have to go, yep, fair play. We couldn't really do anything about that. They just got on a spell. But some of it sometimes was down to what I'd looked at as pretty abject batting. And I'm like, for a county that, as you say, Aaron, should realistically should have been competing or at least put up a bigger fight than they ended up doing to come out of it with one Red Bull win. Yes, you can look at the positive. They only lost one game, but those 12 draws... Draws aren't going to get you promoted. Draws aren't going to win you Division 2. Draws don't win you titles. Draws don't win you trophies. What wins you trophies is being able to turn those games into wins. I think that's where, that's where you know, 
I this I'm going to sound like a bit of a broken record during this. So like maybe you should look at the Durham side of things and try and push for wins. But if you want to win stuff, if you want to if you want to get out of Div Two, you're going to have to win games. And you know maybe next year with Australia playing less cricket, Marnus being around a lot more, Nisa being around a lot more. Fingers crossed those guys both stay healthy. I'm interested to see who they now bring in as head coach. Because I think the blueprint has been set of you want to get out of Div 2, you need a coach who's going to not be afraid to say it how it is and go and go, go, go and get wins. And that's what Glamorgan needs right now. Um, I was very impressed with Kieran Carlson. I think he's took another step forward in his game this year. I think he, one of my Glamorgan mates uh, said he's kind of matured a little bit. Um, he seems to be a bit more of a complete player, complete package. I think he'll be kind of... He'll be the glue next year that needs to keep Morgan together across all three formats. They're going, to, they're going to stand a chance. But yeah, overall, I think very disappointing. Ultimately, we said before we jumped on that the head coach pays the price when the team don't perform. I think uh, Maynard, unfortunately, has fallen to that. And now there's a lot of pressure on that Glamorgan board to get the appointment right and to set the direction of Glamorgan board. Because ultimately... It doesn't feel like there's a big direction at the club. There doesn't seem to be like a set direction of where they want to go. And that is a worrying sign. It certainly is. In fact, it's reminiscent of where Durham were a couple of seasons ago. That's the comparison which I made, actually. And obviously, you can't go like for like and say that oh, a brand new head coach similar to Ryan Campbell was all of a sudden changed their fortunes. That is now life works out. It's not that simple, unfortunately. But I do agree about a change in identity. And I do think... Kieran Carlson should be the captain who brings that project forward. I really do think that he is the guy to build that starting eleven around because he's Welsh-born and bred. This is his boyhood club. He has been so much better in Red Bull cricket in recent seasons and he does continue to improve across formats. So I would start this project around Kieran Carlson, but they do also need some domestic additions and I think that will be the key for Glamorgan heading into the rest of this winter. You cannot just rely on Marnus Labashain and Michael Nisa and Colin Ingram to get you out of trouble. They need a solid domestic base to build off of heading into the future, but obviously wishing Glamorgan all the very best. I know we've been very harsh there on the Welsh outfit, but these are the standards. You know, we expect a lot from Glamorgan in Red Bull crickets. They were fantastic last season. We gave them so much plaudits in the county championship in particular, in particular for those games against Nottinghamshire where they really took the attack to the eventual division winners so yeah things do need to change for glam but fingers crossed they do get a brand new head coach and a new philosophy which will put them on the path to success in the summer of 2024 and talking of another side which to be honest you could argue actually struggled even more than glamorgan this summer was gloucestershire let's head to the west country because gloss has a relatively poor season let's face it in particular in the county championship finishing rock bottom. They finished eighth in Division 2, finishing somehow below Yorkshire, who had a points deduction. They finished seventh in the South group of the T20 Blast. But I suppose the redeeming feature of their season was the Metro Bank One Day Cup, finishing second in Group B, unfortunately knocked out by Leicestershire in the semi-finals after winning a fascinating affair against Lancashire in Bristol in the quarterfinals. I mean, that was brilliant watching Miles Hammond bring up his maiden list a century. But uh, aside from that, not a very memorable season, was it, Kieran? In terms of your overall rating and your overall thoughts, how would you summarise Gloucestershire's performances? 
in the summer of 2023? I am actually going to say a little bit uh, nicer than the than the Derbyshire rating, um, even though they, they finished below them in the uh, in the championship. I, I would go for a C minus, um, largely being brought up by the one day cup campaign. Um, and I, I think there's, uh, you know, you can you can give reason as to why they potentially weren't as good in 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 red ball cricket um, and why they perhaps were uh, in the one day cup, which is, you know, they, they didn't lose um, many players at all to the hundred. Um, so, you know, that they're, they're going to be a better side in that. You see a, so a lot of the sides that didn't particularly lose a lot of players were quite competitive and then the the likes of um the price brothers coming through obviously had very good seasons in that i know both of them actually had decent seasons in in red bull cricket as well um but um beyond that again as with a few other sides that there were only really a few players that that were putting their hands up and, and performing week in week out and if you want to be a competitive side you obviously need more people to to come together and and put in actual team performances rather than a few individual performances because there were a lot of good individual performances throughout the season um but i don't think there were a lot of very good team performances from Gloucestershire or the van in the one day cup and in fairness to gloss they were very impressive in that tournament but as you said, Kieran, in the championship, very, very rough indeed, wasn't it? And we spoke beforehand about the batting and bowling bonus points. 23 batting bonus points across 14 matches. It was the lowest figure in the second division. And then 35 bowling points. That was the joint second lowest figure. So you, you do have to say that, not just on paper, but in terms of the results, Gloucestershire probably were the worst team in Division 2 this season. They, they finished winless, losing six matches, drawing seven. It, it just very, very rough, wasn't it, for the West Country outfit? And Rob, in terms of, of where Gloucestershire go from here, how do they improve heading into the future? That is the million-dollar question, isn't it? Because in, in terms of signings, they haven't made any as of yet. They have lost the quartet of Paul Van Makeren, Will Nash, Jared Warner and Tom Lace. Three of those have been released and Paul Van Maker and we don't know if he's going to get another county or whether or not he'll play county cricket next summer remains to be seen but he won't be in a Gloucestershire shirt in 2024. How do the West Country outfits change their fortunes around in particular in red ball cricket? It's a million dollar question isn't it? I think that all Gloucestershire fans want the answer to. I think I'd give them a C minus as well maybe a C based on that one day cup run being Remarkable. I mean, you mentioned Miles Hammond's um, de- uh, maiden list days entry. James Bracey's 225. I I have a slightly bit of a love affair with James. Um, if anyone, if people couldn't tell, um, I was very happy when he got called up to the England Test squad, and I was very happy seeing him play Test cricket. Um, we all know how it went, so we don't need to go back over it. Um, but yeah, kind of those. Those performances in the One Day Cup were kind of like, well, why can't they do this in Red Bull? I think something that stood out to me was when we played those two rounds with the Kookaburra ball in the Red Bull, in in County Championship. The bowlers were saying it wasn't really doing a lot, and that it was harder to move, and batters were, you know, getting better scores. Gloucestershire played Durham at the Riverside, and I think after day two, Durham were maybe leading by one. I think maybe scores were about even. 
or you know that maybe Dan was slightly in the, slightly in the lead, only by like thirty odd. They Gloucestershire then collapse on day three, and the game's done. The morning of day three, Gloucestershire collapse. You know, I get they're facing Matt Potts, who is a very good bowler, but he'd said that the Cucumber ball was doing the square root of nothing, and you know all the other bowlers were really sharing the same sentiments, and nothing was going on, and that they're having to work twice as hard for their wickets. But the fact Gloucestershire were skittled for 170, 180, leaving Durham like 50 or 60 to win. Like, I think that just summed it all up. And you look at their batting lineup, it's not actually, it's not like, you know, they aren't full of academy players that are the first season professional cricket. You know, you've got Chris Dent at the top of the order, who is someone who has been known to churn out runs. James Bracey has had a, had good county championship seasons and has got, you know, the ability to churn out runs at a high level. Ollie Price has had a bit of a breakout year this year and he was phenomenal towards the back end of the season. I think he cleaned up at their players ceremony that they held a few nights ago. I don't know if it's a if the if the coach needs to be looked into, if maybe the batting side of things needs to be tinkered with slightly because those batters there are good players in their own right. Um I think one thing potentially they need to sort the order because James Bracey was floating about quite a fair bit. He has a bit. He has extra responsibility with the gloves. He also took on some captaincy. He was his vice captain. Took on some captaincy duties, but he was moving up and down the order. So I don't think having an unsettled top three doesn't work. I think an unsettled top three, you're asking for trouble. Um, you know, Ben Charlesworth came in, but then he was dropped. He came back in. Kind of, he's a young player. You can't really, you can't expect a lot from him. But then also, you, everyone needs a fair run. So if you're going to drop him after a run of like low get low scores, you can't then bring him back. Say three games later, he needs he needs to go away and work on his game properly. So they need to sort their order out. Um, I think they need to look at an overseas batter to come in and stabilise that middle order. I think you know if you can plop in someone really quality there in that middle order as say your number four or number five, that's going to help things for everyone else around um maybe you need to look at domestic top order player that you know we know some teams like to stack their top order with three openers i think that's something potentially Gloucestershire could look into you know play with three openers that way people can move down the order and then it means that you know your wiki keeper's not batting three or batting you don't know where he's batting from game to game you know you need a settled order um i think the bowling department, I don't think Dale looks like a really good player. I look very like looking at Zafar Gahar, uh, I think as a spinner, is more than good enough for Division Two cricket. I think sometimes he took a little bit of flack this year, but spinners, they're going to be targeted. So, yeah, I think the obvious issue is their batting lineup. They need to sort it out, both the players in there, the order that they're going to be played. And also, I'd like to see a little bit more consistency. When you find a batting lineup that you like the look of, Give it games, give it time, run with it. Unless they're completely out of their depth, whoever you're playing, unless they're completely out of their depth, don't drop for the sake of dropping. Like, give them an extended run, see if they can do well. Um, I think Ollie Price should be a lock in that Red Bull side. Where, where he bats, I don't know if it's seven, if it's eight, if it's maybe slightly higher. I don't know. It would be an awful lot to kind of put a lot of pressure on him. But They've got players there that they can build around. This isn't a club that needs a complete rebuild and everything like that. This is a club that has players there 
that they can build around. You know, maybe they need to look at bringing Marcus Harris back. You know, maybe he's another player that they could bring in. Um, I'm not sure if he was he was around for at certain points of last year. And I think they should be looking to bring him back next year as well. So yeah, that's for me. The batting lineup is the big concern. Well, it certainly is, and actually, it's interesting you mention about the addition of an overseas middle order bat. I think that Harry Tector would be a fantastic signing in that capacity, not just in in white ball cricket. Had a great start in the one day cup, but he can also play red ball cricket. I think in Division Two, he could do a job. So if they're looking at someone who's more of a cost effective option in that middle order, I do think Harry Tector coming back would be a very very the good only, piece of business. The only issue is is his contract is the World with cup. Ireland. Yeah. His contract with Ireland as well, because it's now documented that players are basically having to choose between playing for Ireland and not being able to play county cricket or yeah. county cricket and not being able to play for Ireland. So it would be it would be a good option, but I think that one comes down to if Texas is willing to sacrifice international caps for county cricket. We'd have to wait and see, wouldn't we? But obviously, if that deal could be manufactured, I wouldn't be against that. But aside from, from signings as well, I suppose the big thing about Gloucestershire is that they do have players for the future. And I think the, the two big ones are the Price brothers, Ollie and Tom. Ollie was absolutely unbelievable. And it's funny, really, how as the season progressed, people seem to have forgotten that Tom Price scored 100 and took a hat-trick against Worcestershire on the same day of a county championship match. And all of a sudden, everyone's just talking about his brother. But I do think they can definitely build around those two. And, of course, AJ Dale as well. A very, very good young seam bowler. So, all in all, a tremendously disappointing season in Red Bull cricket for Gloucestershire. I don't think we can simply gloss over that and act as though everything was fine. It certainly wasn't. But I think the Metro Bank One Day Cup did kind of spare their blushes. And the emergence of youth has definitely injected a sense of enthusiasm and, I suppose, some optimism to take into the future. And talking of a side who had an unforgettable Metro Bank One Day Cup, Kieran... I'll go to you first when we talk about this particular county, but the Foxes of Leicestershire. So Leicestershire finished fourth in Division 2 of the LV County Championship. They finished rock bottom in the North Group in the T20 Blast. But the big one, akin to our conversation about Durham, was the lifting of the Metro Bank One Day Cup in that unforgettable final against Hampshire at Trent Bridge. If you could summarise Leicestershire's performances, Kieran, what would you give them? in terms of a rating and a grade, per se? I'd give them a... I'll go for a B. I think that feels feels fair. Um, and, and again, yeah, obviously they, they had a very good one-day cup campaign. Um, and I think um, that it, it was under, underlined by the fact that um, without Pete Hanscom, who'd been phenomenal for them all campaign, um, that... Harry Swindles came in, um, but essentially took his place um, in the final and from out of nowhere scored 100 um, and won them the game, essentially. Um, But yeah, throughout that whole tournament, they were obviously one of the best sides. You know, they went on and won it. Um, But, you know, you look at at in the final, the contributions of Josh Hall, who's 19 years old, Sol Budinger had a very good season. Rishi Patel had a phenomenal season in basically every format. I think he hit 100 in, in every format last season alone. Um, Vian Mulder was a very good overseas for them, as he has been over the past couple of seasons. Um, Roman Walker had a good start to the campaign. I know he didn't play the, the last few rounds, but 
but he was very good. Um, I'm sure there are people that, that I'm missing, but yeah, specifically in the one day cup, they, they had a very good campaign, Chris Wright. Um, and yeah, a lot of those players were also very good um, in the championship as well. Um, I know they only finished fourth, but from having finished rock bottom the, the season before, that was a, a very good um, turnaround from from where they'd been at that point. Um, the previous season kicked it off with a very good win um, at Headingley against Yorkshire that Yorkshire kind of threw away, but you can't take anything away from, from Leicestershire and, and how they won it. And yeah, the first half of the season in Red Bull, they looked very good. Um, obviously then... Um, that they were overtaken by by a couple of sides, but there was a lot of positives to take. Um, obviously, in in winning the one day cup, which was the the big achievement for them, but they had a good uh, Red Bull season as well. So um, I think it was a, a overall positive season for them, and the, there are a lot of positives to take um, into next season. Although they are losing um, a couple of important assets, um, there are still some good players around. So I, I think there are a lot of positives to take from this season for them. They certainly are, Kieran, and to be honest, I agree 100% with your rating as well. I also put them as a B. Purely, I put them down slightly because of the T20 blast, because this is a side which historically have been fantastic in the shortest format, three times winners of the competition, and yet they just had an absolute stinker this season. So, yeah, that is why I did just bring them down ever so slightly in terms of their rating, but very impressive in the county championship. And that Metro Bank One Day Cup, I'm not even a Leicestershire fan, and I will never, ever forget that day. I had goosebumps at Trent Bridge. It was absolutely unbelievable. Harry Swindles, Sam Evans, and Josh Hull, three local lads writing their names into the history books of that club. A first list day trophy in 38 years. Absolutely unbelievable. But, Kieran, you make a very, very good point there. And, Rob, this is where I wanted to pick up our conversation the outgoings. There's been an awful lot going on at Grace Road this season. So in terms of incoming transfers, they brought in Liam Travaskis and Ben Cox. Peter Hanscom and Vian Mulder will also come back in the summer of 2024. However, the big issue is the number of departures. So Callum Parkinson and Colin Ackerman have both gone to Durham, as we previously stated. And then Ed Barnes, Will Davis, Scott Steele, Aaron Lilly, Michael Finan and Nick Welsh have all been released by the club. So in terms of the, the sheer number of departures, do you think that could maybe undermine the success of Leicestershire this season? Do you think that could play a role in terms of next summer? I think it's going to be hard on the group. And we also haven't even touched on the fact that there was the whole coaching of course. debacle that went on. And um, something that, you know, the whole... You know, losing, as we say, Callum Parkinson, who's kind of been their go-to spinner for as long as I can remember, really, you know, is a huge blow. Um, that was a very sour ending as well. Didn't play in the didn't play in the county championship post hundred. Um, even though he was being named in the squads, he wasn't being played. Um Ackerman obviously gone out to the World Cup, but he wasn't really around either. Those two are the biggest losses out there. Um, I think some of the other guys you mentioned there, you kind of they've this season, which makes it makes the one day cup success even bigger. The fact that they went through the entire turmoil of um, the coach being placed on gardening leave, and then you know they still haven't announced who's taking it over full time yet. And there was a huge uproar over what on earth's going on at the club. You know, board members 
uh, were taking decisions. The actual members of the club were fuming. They wanted the coach brought back and kind of what on earth are the board playing out. So there's a lot of turmoil that still is yet to be resolved. You know, there's not been a consensus of, look, this is why we did it. It's kind of, they've just gone, they've just made a change, deal with it. It's like, that's not good ownership. If if you're going to make a big change like that, at least have the confidence to stand up in front of your members who help pay your players and help keep the club running and have the heartbeat of the club to go, okay, this is why we made the change. Um, in terms of their incomings, I think Travaskis is going to be a big addition for them. Uh, a guy who can, he can bat seven in Red Bull, so he can kind of be that all-rounder. Um, it, a bit of an underrated spinner. Didn't really get a lot of chance at Durham last year, I think. They made it pretty clear early on that, as I think Kieran mentioned earlier, that Cam Ryan Campbell wanted uh, overseas, uh, like an international quality level spinner, which kind of meant Travaskis' days were numbered. Um, but I think him slotting back into Division Two cricket next year, I think, will be really good uh, for Leicestershire. I think he's a bit, he's kind of the best they could have got with the replacement for Callum Parkinson. I think Ben Cox is a really good grab from. Worcestershire, um, no pun intended, as he's a keeper. Um, but yeah, I think those two are really big for them. I think, you know, Mulder and Hanscom coming back, if Hanscom can continue his form here, really good stride um, towards the back end of the competi uh, season competition. You know, I think he kept Durham at bay down at Grace Road when they were going for a win on the final day. It was him. And pretty much not. Uh, they, everyone else got a lot of starts, but he scored an unbeaten century until Light came in and took players off um Mulder I think again someone if he's around as not as much as he can be can help this group uh we'll wait and see how much Ren Ahmed's going to be around because there are a lot of rumors circling that even though he signed contracts there's a move on the cards and obviously the news breaking tonight that he is one of the 26 players by England centrally contracted for the next two years. So England are going to have a bigger say in his workload, how much he can play for Leicestershire. So, yeah, I think I gave them a B minus. I think the the coaching situation can't be ignored. That has a huge blemish, even though it's not on the players. But in turn, it does make their one-day cup campaign even better. You know, they came out from... I don't think they were anyone's favourites to start with, and they came out and blew everybody away as a guy from Hampshire, I will wholeheartedly say that they, even we had them 60 for six, Leicestershire were deserved winners of the one day cup based on the whole performances. You know, they beat, I think everyone they played maybe by one or two teams and they just looked phenomenal in white ball in the one day cup. Um, so yeah, B minus for them. They do have some questions that need to be sorted. And I think they'll feel the loss of those, uh, of the two main guys that they're losing. But I think also it's going to empower the rest of the group to step up and make a bigger contribution for next year. Well, Fox's fans will certainly hope so. And in terms of one of those players who I do just have to mention very briefly before we flip our attention to Sussex is Rishi Patel. He's been named in the England Lions squad. That's absolutely wonderful. So shout out to Rishi. He was an excellent guest here on the Cows Cricket Podcast. Had an unbelievable season. 1,075 runs, scored four centuries over the course of this summer in Red Bull cricket. And as Kieran mentioned beforehand, scored centuries across all three formats. Unbelievable. So all in all, a very, very positive campaign for Leicestershire. But 
there are also some questions about the future, the future of Rayan Ahmed, the future of the coaching situation, and of course, the new incomings heading into the summer of 2024. But overall, a very, very positive summer for the Foxes of Leicestershire County Cricket Club. Talking of a side, however, who didn't have such a positive end to proceedings this year were the Martlets of Sussex. And Kieran, I'll come to you first and foremost, mate, because Sussex finished third in the county championship, but they shot themselves in the foot, didn't they, in that game against Leicestershire? That points deduction basically prevented them from getting promoted. It completely halted their momentum. Then, of course, in the Metro Bank One Day Cup, finishing ninth in Group B. I had them as a playoff contender. They, they reached the playoffs last season. They didn't have many players being lost to the 100, and yet they just didn't show up at all in the 50-over formats. And in the, in the T20 Blast as well, a team which has been historically strong in the shortest format, finishing sixth in the South group. And this is just mentioning the on-field stuff. There's been a lot of off-field issues at Sussex over the course of a very, very turbulent end to the summer. So in terms of the Martlets, how do you summarise their current situation and their performances at the end of the season? In terms of the rate, and I'll probably go like a C, um, I think that that sort of middle of the road, um, obviously they, they were quite good in, in the championship for a lot of the season. It would have been interesting to see how the back end of the season had gone had they not got that points deduction, if it would have you know stoked a fire for them to, to go on and, and get promoted. Um, obviously they would have, rather that that happened as well rather than um having the points deduction which just seemed like it it was from nowhere in a game that they were were gonna win anyway it was sort of a little bit pointless um i think that sort of speaks to the the lack of a lot of senior players in the side i think it was sort of suggested at the, side, the time that chiteshwar pajara maybe isn't captaincy material and that he might just be the captain because he's the best player and because he's an overseas player and um, that might be what was keeping him around. Um, whether or not there'll be a change of captain to, to stop that happening in the future, there's obviously not that many mature players in the side. Um, and then you've got you know the likes of Steve Finn retiring, um, Ravi Bapara not being offered a new contract. It is a lot of young players, and, and the squad is is quite a, an inexperienced one compared to a lot of other sides. So um, yeah, that. That whole situation obviously didn't cover them in glory. Um, so it'll be interesting to see um, next season if if there is a change of captaincy, who who gets that um, and how that pans out. Um, but for the season, I think they were good um, in red ball up until that happened. Um, you know, looking at the the amount of draws. They, they had, they, they could have probably won a couple more games. They drew 10 games out of 14, actually only won three, um, but that was, you know, still enough for third place. Um, you look at Worcestershire, who finished just above them, only won two more games and actually lost a couple more games. They had Sussex have won one more game. Um, things could have been very different for them. I think it, it, it was an overall quite a good season in Red Bull. Obviously, quite disappointing um, elsewhere. I think um, it was weird in, in the One Day Cup. I assumed Harry Carvelas, having been quite good in that competition last season, didn't actually play a whole lot of it, which which I thought was weird. I'm not sure exactly why that was. Um, 
that can't have helped them too much. Um, and then, yeah, in, in the T20s, again, not fantastic. Um, so, yeah, overall, I think sort of middle of the road in terms of all, all three formats. Um, but I think the Red Bull, obviously, they've taken more, more positives out of that. But that was um, tarnished um, at, at the back end by that, that Leicestershire game. And it was entirely self-inflicted as well, isn't it? That, that, that's, the, that's the frustrating thing. They had it in their control. And yes, in the end, they did eventually lose out to Worcestershire in that second promotion place by 17 points. But up until that point, it, was a, it really wasn't a big difference between those two counties. And yeah, what could have been a very, very dramatic end to the promotion race ended in a bit of a damp squib. But... Rob, how would you summarise Sussex's performances then? Because oh, I think Kieran makes a great point. In Red Bull cricket, very positive, aside from the, the end of the season. But in White Bull cricket, how can they improve and get back to the halcyon days of the Sussex Sharks? Where do you think they can improve when it comes to the White Bull format, in particular in the T20 Blast? Because as I mentioned beforehand, I think that's where they struggle the most in terms of, of the three formats this season. I'm going to be quite critical of Sussex in my grade. I'm going to give them a D purely because that off-field stuff is nothing short of horrible and something that should just not be in cricket. Full stop. End of story. I mean, I'm all I'm I'm on the side of I'm for a bit of sledging. I'm for a bit of a send off. There is a limit. There is a line, and they doesn't seem like they only overstepped it. They just completely refused to acknowledge its existence in its entirety and proceeded to say quite, you know, rude and just horrible things that no one in any walk of life should ever be subjected to. Um, and I think it says it all when the apologies are made to the club members and not your opponent and not the players that you insulted and hurt. I think that kind of says it all. Um, so for me, that brings it down a lot. It's just there, there's no place for it in cricket. There, there are other sports for that if you want to have that you know, go and play some other sports. Cricket's not one of them. Um, it's nothing that should be in our game. Um, I think on the field, obviously, Ollie Robinson not being around doesn't help, you know, between injury. He was there at the start of the season, but then he got injured and then Ashes came calling and England just held on to him, didn't release him. So Sussex lose their best bowler for that. Um, Tom Haynes, I think, probably did better this year and they had the, cap the Red Bull captaincy taken away from him. I think... That was a very good move by Farbrace. Maybe his replacement wasn't picked very well in Pajara. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, the Stephen Finn signing historically, yes, he's done a lot for them, but he'd always been battling injuries. He'd never really been around for Sussex the last couple of years. Um, so I think from one from the business side of the club, they'll be content with him, with his contract kind of freeing up a little bit of cash elsewhere for them to go and spend. I think, um, look, other clubs are already making their deals. They, Sussex is going to have to start acting quickly if they want to improve for next year. Um, I think, again, it's looking at a marquee white ball player, uh, the T20s. I think, honestly, that you we talk about it in the, IP, the IPL, what do people always talk about? You need an overseas quick that's where most teams kind of make their difference. The overseas quick tends to be the biggest point of difference. Obviously, how you recruit your Indian quicks is obviously big as well. But 
can you say Rajasthan Royals, they always make sure they've got Trent Bolt in there. You know, other teams make sure they have their overseas quick lined up pretty quickly in the auction that they want them and they're going to go get them. Um, Chris Morris springs to mind in previous years. He always went for a fair bit of cash. Um, but back to Sussex, I think, you know, this is a young squad, as um, Kieran said, but Paul Farbrace isn't using that as an excuse. He said it multiple times being when they came up to the Riverside and I was down there on commentary for the one-day cup game. That isn't, youth isn't an excuse for this team. You know, Farbrace doesn't want them to use that as an excuse. It's Yes, we can talk about their players being young in years, like in terms of age, but Tom Haynes is now approaching, is now going into his fourth or fifth year in county championship cricket. Ali Orr is, you know, he's no, you know, rookie. Tom Allsop, who they brought in from Hampshire a couple of years ago, um, is a very experienced player as well. So, yeah, I think they need a, they need their marquee T20 player. I think that's where the main focus needs to be. If you can build around, because again, we look at that team, who realistically do they build around in T20s? You can't really say Haynes. I don't think Haynes is that good of a T20 player. Watch some stats person find out what his T20 records and make me look like a fool. But for me, he doesn't feel like a marquee T20 player to build around. So can you go out there in the market? It's all that, you know, they have Joffre Archer on their books, but realistically, when do they ever see Joffre? Joffre's never around because he's either been struggling with injury or when he's been fit, he's been with England or other, other franchise leagues want him. So, yeah, I think the marquee T20 player is a must for me. But overall, the main thing is you need to sort the culture needs to be sorted out very quickly at the club. Um, as we mentioned, the scenes at the game against Leicestershire were not. It's not what cricket is played upon. It's not the values that players play to. Um, I doubt we'll see Carvelis again. Um, from what I'm hearing out of that, the language was very, very bad. Um, I'm not going to go into too many details, but I'd be shocked if he was brought back by the club. Um, I think they've got the right coach. I think Farbrace is the right man to take them forward. I think that kind of tough love and is what a group like this needs. But the the youth experience can't keep getting used. At some point, people get tired of that. And I think that excuse is kind of worn out with the Sussex fans. I think they want to see actual change now. Well, yeah, the project needs to see results because it's happened at Leicestershire. Both those clubs started their projects at the exact same time and Leicestershire have, have borne a trophy out of it. So, again, a very, very disappointing end to the season for Sussex. In terms of their, the next steps, I suppose, in county cricket, Danny Lamb has been brought in from Lancashire to add a bit of experience in the all-rounders department. And actually, as of today, there are some rumours that they have actually sorted out an experienced scene bowler. So we'll wait and see what happens in terms of news. Of course, we'll bring you the updates on our Twitter and our Instagram with regards to that new signing. But but according to Paul Farbrace, they have sorted out that particular department heading into 2024. But aside from a very disappointing campaign for Sussex, let's go on to another county who had a magnificent campaign across formats. Let's go to the West Midlands and let's head to New Road. And let's talk about Worcestershire because the pairs finished second in Division 2. They secured promotion back to the promised land of Division 1. They were third in Group B of the Metro Bank One Day Cup, unfortunately knocked out by Hampshire in the quarterfinals. And then in the T20 Blast, it was deja vu, wasn't it? Third in the North Group, knocked out by Hampshire 
at the Aegeus Bowl in the quarterfinals. So an, an unfortunate playoff record for Worcestershire. But lads, I actually want to kickstart this. I'm going to give my rating. I'm giving Worcestershire an A. And that's coming from a Warwickshire fan. So you know that I'm being incredibly unbiased here. I thought they were absolutely superb. Superb with a capital S. Considering all of the turmoil which took place at New Road this season, they got promoted and they were competitive, not just in the one-day cup, but in the T20 blast as well. And to be honest, I do think they've recruited very nicely with Rob Jones, in particular in the 50-over format. Tom Taylor as well, great piece of business. And they've still got some, some leverage in terms of their overseas players. So again, I do think Worcestershire are a team to watch out for, but across formats, brilliant to watch. Yes, you could argue that they probably did get lucky at times with the weather saving them in the county championship this season compared to to other teams, but it was a marked improvement from last year. Five wins, three losses, six draws, and to be honest, two players who were absolutely integral in that promotion success were Jake Libby and Joe Leach. Libby scoring 1,153 runs at 57.65, the third leading run scorer in the entire division, and Joe Leach, the equal third leading wicket-taker in Division 2, with 48 wickets at 29.45. So, Rob, I'll start with you first and foremost, mates. A few words on the pairs of Worcestershire. They were impressive this season, weren't they? Incredibly so. I think you can always tell a team is good if they can compete across multiple formats. As you mentioned there, being able to compete across all three is remarkable. Um, unfortunately, I think their T20... Uh, the T20 quarterfinal, they didn't really represent themselves. They got a bit of a bit of a pasting down at the Ajax Bowl. I think they had a bit of a batting collapse and never set a reasonable target. But nevertheless, I think something else has to be said is they have in the past and kind of like they generally fall into a bit of a category of they're not able to really keep their best players because they always keep getting nicked. I mean, we look at not we look at knots for example. I mean, they're taking uh, Josh Tung from them for next year. Like the, the, it's been, you know, Worcestershire fans know this pain all too well. Of they get their young player comes through their academy, they think they've got him there for the future, and then one of the bigger counties comes along and says, "We'll have him, thank you very much." And it kind of the cycle just repeats itself. Unfortunately, that's what they've got with Josh Tung. But yeah, just remarkable. And when you look at the actual, like their bat, they only got twenty-one batting bonus points, which is the least in Division Two, and only. Well, I mean, I say only 36, as if it's not like the joint third highest or whatever it is. But, you know, I think that what they, those close games, the games that could have gone on a knife edge to 50 50s, you're a batting collapse away or you're a bowling spell away from winning a game or being able to save the game. You mentioned they probably got a bit lucky with the weather in some games, but being able to turn those close games into wins, I think, is what's really important. You know, picking up five wins. I mean, second most in Div 2, and they were, rewarded, they were rewarded with it with second place. You know, no one else won above three, and Durham were kind of the bit of the runaways with seven. So, yeah, I think it's a, it's a really good season. I'm very excited for them to go back to Division 1 next year. Um, as you mentioned, they've got the leeway with the overseas. They haven't, I think, announced it yet. So that means they've got some options they could go for. I think you probably want to look at a bowler with Josh Tung being no longer being there. Um, but also, I think maybe there could be some players from the domestic circuit that would be shrewd additions. You know, the English test months, you know, I know the county championship is kind of being pushed to either side of them, but those 
games that those rare games that will overlap with England games, if you could, they can keep their main squad together, they're going to be, uh, you know, they're going to they're going to compete in Div- Division One next year as well. So, a very good season. A big congratulations to everyone down at Worcestershire. Um, it's been a remarkable achievement for them um, to get back, and especially you know, as we as I alluded to, kind of the fact they've kind of been a bit of a factory in any in for lack of a better term for bigger counties just coming in and seeing their players. So yeah, very well deserved. It was very wholesome scenes when they picked up that second batting point. I think it was against Yorkshire to confirm. Uh, promotion and yeah I'm excited to see what they do next year I don't think they're going to be I don't think they'll be relegation fodder I think they've got a genuine chance of staying up for a couple years well that's interesting you say that actually Rob because I I do think the the interesting aspect to talk about when it comes to Worcestershire is the rest of the offseason because I mentioned beforehand I like their current recruitments they've also brought in Ethan Brooks from my county of Warwickshire, one of the finest fielders in county cricket right now. But, Kieran, this is what I wanted to ask you. Do you worry about the stability of that side heading into next season at this moment in time? Because aside from Josh Tung, Dylan Pennington and Jack Haynes also have gone to Nottinghamshire. Taylor Cornell was released. Azar Ali has left the club, the Pakistan overseas player. Ben Cox has gone to Leicestershire. Pat Brown has gone to Derbyshire. Mitch Stanley, who impressed in the T20 Blast, in 2022 has gone to Lancashire on a one-year contract. Do you think the, the sheer number of departures could undermine the, the pairs of Worcestershire heading into 2024? Uh, yeah, the way the side looks at the minute, look them straight back down. Um, I think that the, the bowling was the centrepiece of, of the side this season and, and you lose Josh Tong and Dylan Pennington um, and, and you're adding... Um, Ethan Brooks, that who's he's okay, you know he he's not quite on the level of of the other two players, um, and then you're also losing Jack Haynes, who's one of the the more prodigious batting talents that they had. I would worry just on the strength of of Division One next season, of how strong that they they can be, and I think at the moment, given how strong all of the other sides in in Division One are going to be, um, if they don't recruit, you know a, a a premium fast bowler um and yeah i think that's that's the main thing having lost tongue and, and pennington i think it will be difficult for them to stay up at, at the moment to be honest kieran i would agree with that I, I do worry in particular when you look at sides like like durham for example bringing in scott bolland there's a potential for lancashire to bring in nathan lyon do worcestershire have the same financial pulling power to bring in a massive overseas name. And to be honest, I don't think at this stage they do. And they have lost an awful lot of players. With that being said, though, I think the core nucleus of that side is very good in particular in white ball crickets. And I really like Kashif Ali. I think he is a wonderful talent to watch out for heading into the future. So they've got the base of a good team. And as I said, they were very impressive across formats. But it's just about this off-season now. If they cannot replace that slew of players, they will struggle. Not just in red ball cricket, but you think in white ball, it's so volatile. In particular, when you look at the seam attack, they've lost a lot of seam bowlers there and only realistically brought in Tom Taylor because Ethan Brooks is more of a batting all-rounder now, as we've seen in the one-day cup. So, yeah, some interesting times for Worcestershire heading into the winter, but overall... A wonderful season. And to be honest, I just want to echo the sentiments 
of Rob. Congratulations to all involved at Worcestershire County Cricket Club. Cannot wait to see a Bears versus Pairs match in the county championship once more. But gents, aside then from the Pairs of Worcestershire, let's head to our eighth and final county in Division 2 and let's head up north. Let's go to Headingley and talk about the White Rose of Yorkshire. Now, Yorkshire, of course, suffering multiple points deductions heading into this season and actually during the season as well, as we saw in the T20 Blast. And yeah, just a, a very forgettable season, I think, to say the least, for the Northern County, finishing seventh in the county championship, sixth in Group A of the Metro Bank One Day Cup, and finishing in eighth place in the North Group. So, Kieran, as our resident Yorkshire fan and Yorkshire County Cricket Club experts, how would you summarise what's been a very strange year for the White Rose? Um, yeah, it's a good question. I don't think on the pitch it, it, it was bad. I think obviously the off, off-field stuff um, sort of overshadowed things. I'd say sort of C, maybe C plus to be to be nice, uh, but that's just bias. Um, but yeah, the, the, the point seductions obviously didn't help anything. Um, you look at without that, I think Yorkshire would have finished third in, in Division Two. When you look at the the wins, um, Yorkshire won three games. Sussex and Leicestershire both won three games in third and fourth. So um, in terms of competitiveness in um, red ball cricket, Yorkshire were right up there. Um, I think the squad um, is very strong at the moment. Um, you know the, the likes of the young players like Matt Revis, George Hill. Finley Bean is one of the best openers in the country already, having played a season and a little bit of um, professional cricket. I was actually a little bit surprised he wasn't in the, the Lions squad um, to go to the UAE. Um, but I think another season, maybe two, and, and he will have some form of recognition if he if he keeps on playing the way that he did. Um, I think... I think there was a it was either five or six games uh, winning streak in the T20s and then sort of fell off a cliff. Got absolutely hammered by Derbyshire at Chesterfield. Um, got bowled out for about sixty yards. That wasn't ideal. Um, and then lost a couple more games. I think lost to Warwickshire at, at Headingley. Um, yeah, um, but I think the the back end of the season um, w- was a positive. That win against Worcestershire, who who uh, got promoted, um, it was a very good win. Yorkshire forced a game um, by um, letting Finn Bean and James Wharton bowl, which was just comedy. Uh, both of them got hit for um, more than 100 in 10 overs and nine and a bit overs, respectively, which was hilarious. Um, and then Yorkshire managed to chase down 360. Um, so that, that was a very good win. Um, and the, the games that Yorkshire did win were very positive. Um, I'm actually quite positive for next season now with all of the um, points deduction stuff not hanging over anyone's heads anymore. Um, it's sort of a clean slate. Um, there's a good squad, um, a good spin bowler coming in, in in Dan Moriarty, which also seems to have made Don Bess play better at the back end of the season. Since Moriarty was confirmed um, as a signing for next season, Don Bess looked a lot better. He, he did also bowl a lot more overs, but um, he, he looked a very good spinner um, in red ball cricket, which a lot of the time, maybe he doesn't look as good in, in red ball as he does in white ball. Um, and yeah, I mentioned the, 
the young players that, that are coming through, um, your likes of Hill, um, Bean, Revis, um, and then, you know, when you've not got the likes of, of Yorkshire are never going to see Harry Brook again um, because he, he's just going to play for England forever. Um, obviously, when, when David Milan's playing for England as well, it, it, there's a space for another top order back. James Wharton's come in and filled that quite well um, in Red Bull cricket. I know Otis Gibson's spoken about wanting another more experienced batter in the lineup. So um, if you are never seeing Brooke again, it, you're not going to see, see Milan a whole lot if there's there's white ball cricket going on. Joe Root, um, not seen him all, all season. So um, if it, there can be the, an addition of one good, you know, experienced batter in the sort of top five, um, that'll be a massive bonus. And I think that sort of makes Yorkshire one of the more competitive sides in the um, in Division 2 next season. Uh, and I think that it, it's a very good T20 squad um, that just fell off at the back end. Um, so although the season wasn't massively positive, this campaign, I think next season things actually look quite positive. I would agree with that, actually, Kieran, and, and someone else who I think we have to mention in a T20 capacity, Jaffa Chohan. Goodness me, he really impressed me. Very, very good young leg spinner. Can also smash a cricket ball, as he showed on T20 Blastoff against the Bears. So, again, plenty to look forward to in that Yorkshire side. But, Rob, I would like to ask for your opinion as well, just before we do close out the show. It is very difficult to to rate Yorkshire's season because of all of the external circumstances surrounding this year. But, as Kieran said, in terms of the on-field stuff, they actually didn't do too badly. I suppose the big thing with Yorkshire, though, is the, the weight of expectation, isn't it? Because let's face it, Yorkshire are the most successful county sides of all time. Finishing fourth and finishing third isn't enough for the fans of this club. So in terms of, of your thoughts, Rob, how would you summarise and reflect upon Yorkshire's performances across formats this season? I think kind of... I'm trying to find the right words here, but like I think it's probably as best that it could have gone, really. I mean, apart from the obvious, you, you, a trophy would have been nice. And obviously, as you mentioned, you know, Yorkshire being the most successful county, coming away from a season without silverware is automatically a bit of a letdown from a Yorkshire from a Yorkshire point of view. Um, look, they they got to see some Johnny Bairstow this year as he worked his way back from injury, which I don't know when the last time he ever played for Yorkshire was because it seems like he's just been with England forever. Um, so that was nice. Uh, they came out the wrong side of a nail-biter up at the Riverside. Uh, day four, one wicket win with um, Bryden Cast battling a rib injury, being able to send out a runner in Scott Borthwick and get, get Durham over the line in what was... A phenomenal game in which it was like 240 plays 220 plays 230 plays like or so, like to that effect. And then to have it go down to final wicket morning of day four, I think all most of the games were kind of going to a draw. So all the attention was on Durham v Yorkshire. It was really good. Um, I personally love cricket at Scarbados. I think it's probably the best outground there is or outground in name like it's phenomenal like it's brilliant i love it to bits um but yeah i think on the field kind of you know everyone knew it was going to be this is a transitional a transitional year if you can call it you know they weren't going to come back up 
no matter how well they did, you know, there was always going to be the punishment that were going to keep them in Div 2 for at least another season. Um, yeah, I think, like Kieran said, the youth movement, I think, is something that is really good. Yorkshire have always had a strong academy. See Joe Root, Johnny Bairstow, Harry Brook. Harry Brook. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you know, their youth, their youth movement is crazy. Um, so I think there's one of the ones, kind of like Sussex in a way, but I think because it's Yorkshire, they can taint it a different way they can move it in a more positive direction of we've got these young guys coming through and because they're being able to you know just because of the club situation of being relegated um hampshire had a fair bit to say about that in 2022 um losing to who was it again uh warwickshire in the final day of the season was it oh liam norwell nine for 62 never forget that day there we go. Um, I remember the figures. <laughs> but um, yeah, look, I think on the field, kind of as best as you re- as they really could have hoped for with everything that was hanging over their heads. Next year, as Kieran mentioned, a bit of a clean slate. And ultimately, the goal is to win Division 2. They're too big of a county, as we've said with Durham. They're way too big of a county to stay more than two seasons in Division 2. Um, you know, you look at the side coming sides coming down, North Hants and Middlesex. I think Yorkshire have got as strong a squad if not stronger than those two sides um obviously Middlesex losing Tim Murta to retirement um so yeah I think you know Finley Bean uh James Wharton um the two of the bigger the two of the standout names for me I think Matt Revis as well is starting to come of his own maybe they'll get some more Matthew Fisher I know he was working his way back from his stress fracture because which England test capped bowler was not injured his back at some point um in, in what seems like the last two years, it's crazy. Um, you know, if they can have that core bowling group, you know, Ben Code has been a terrific county bowler for the last four, five, six years. You know, as someone who only really gone to county cricket in 2018, Ben Code is just immediately there as a guy who takes 35 plus county championship wickets as standard. You know, that's the norm that happens. So, yeah, I think as well as it could have gone, um, obviously the off field stuff is the off field stuff. But yeah, definitely next year it's get back to Division One. Um, that's obviously the Div Two trophy. And then can they put a as Kieran kind of mentioned, the T twenties, they got off to a bit of a flyer and then struggled in that middle period. I think they were washed off at the riverside. Um and a couple other results didn't, you know, as you mentioned, getting smashed at Chesterfield by Derby didn't really, you know, doesn't help on the net run rate and stuff like that. So yeah. Um you know, the White Rose, I think, are primed for a comeback near, comeback year next year. Even if they don't see, you know, I think it's safe to say Joe Root won't be around. Harry Brook won't be around. They probably won't see Johnny Bairstow again. You might get some Dowd Land sprinkled in here, sprinkled in here and there. But even if they don't say we can take those four out of the equation entirely, I think they have a strong enough squad to build on this year. I think Otis Gibson, again, they've got the right coach in place for me. Darren Goff. I think has done a more than capable job since taking over in what has been, you know, probably the most difficult circumstances that someone's ever had to step into as a director of cricket um, that I can remember. And yeah, I think next year it's get out of division two and get back to the promised land. It certainly is. That is the big objective. And I know he's not exactly a signing, but he did only play two matches this season. Matt Milnes will be massive in terms of Yorkshire's push for promotion, not just in the county championship, of course, but you think about white ball cricket as well, part of Kent's 2021 T20 blast winning side. So I do think the future does look a lot brighter for Yorkshire. 
I think it was a very, very average season in terms of maybe results-wise, but they had their moments. They've got some great young talents, and I do think the White Rose will be resurgent heading into the summer of 2024. But chaps, that brings us to an end to what has been a mammoth episode of the Counter Cricket Podcast. That is the end of our Division 2 end-of-year review show, and just before we do say our final goodbyes for the recording, Rob, do you have anything to plug or promote? Any social media channels, websites, businesses, anything like that? <laughs> uh, it's RobRush02 on both Twitter and Instagram. Um, I think just the only thing I'd say is that uh, for fans of Div 1 counties, enjoy coming to play Durham next year. I think not generally for like being you know aggressive here, but as you mentioned, Aaron, as a neutral, it's been really fun to watch cricket. I was nowhere near this inclined with Durham until I started, you know, being a media assistant there. Watching this style of cricket has been incredible. Um, and I think, you know, it's the way more county cricket is going to start going. Um, we're going to see more more teams going for wins. We saw it at uh, Knox v Middlesex, you know, at Lords very early in the season when they set up a T20 pretty, pretty much in the evening of day four to set up a win. I like I love that I love that um you know style at the sense of cricket um you know they want to get a result on and uh yeah just a massive thank you to you guys for having me on I've really appreciated it oh Rob it's our pleasure honestly the feeling is mutual mate and you're always welcome back on the counter cricket podcast over the winter and of course the summer of 2024 a year which I think you can already tell I'm very much looking forward to can't wait the Bears always win a trophy in, in years ending in four. So, yeah, it should be a good summer, to say the very least. But that does bring us to an end to tonight's episode of the Counter Cricket Podcast. To each and every single one of you wonderful listeners out there, thank you ever so much for tuning in. And as always, guys, we'll see you on the next one.